topic because you know if you have listened to me before you know i go off on some severe tangents sometimes i try to bring it back i try to bring it back where we get this nice little like you know we put it in a nice little wrapping paper with a bow and you kind of get like the home game the home version um and sometimes we do i like to i like when things go in full circle so here we are so let me let me get back to stay on topic and this is actually (laughs) A great segue, maybe, for exactly what we're going to talk about is this idea. We're gonna we're gonna blend a couple ideas here together. We're gonna blend autopilot with Groundhog's Day and being an active participant. Stay tuned. You don't want to cut off just yet because this one is going to be packed. Check this out. How we kind of mesh all these together to to make some kind of a, a formula. It's been once been said that we operate from 80 to 95% of our behaviors uh, live in the unconscious. 80 to 95%, that's a shitload uh, that we're not actually seeing. You know, this is, could be in deep reference to what is called the shadow as well. First of all, really understanding the, the um, unconscious parts of self and where those stem from. Of course, you know, there's a lot of deep belief systems down in there. There's deep experiences in there. A lot of childhood stuff, small T, big T trauma. You know, you get your, you get your family system trauma, you get your environmental, other environmental factors, society, culture. That's all traumatic, can be traumatic. Again, you know, small T, Big T, recognizing that most of our behaviors live on this autopilot. That's our normal state of being. Unconscious areas of self tend to be really self-seeking, really to fulfill what I like to talk about is these emotional basic needs. They tend to live in that area. They're, They're constantly analyzing their environment. How can I get these needs met, right? So the need of feeling validated, maybe the feeling of love, of acceptance, belonging. Hold for a second uh, this idea of the sense of belonging. Such evolutionary purposes within the sense of belonging. Think about that as species. You know, we are herd animals. We are wired to live social. Hence, you know, I like to say we're not meant to live alone in isolation on an island with a volleyball calling it Wilson. We live in these herds. If you can imagine that at the head of in the beginning of time, you know, the species, later to be Homo sapiens, but in the beginning, the species, we were not the head of the food chain, actually. We were the bottom of the food chain. It's so interesting that, you know, animals ate us. Being that that could be a danger or a survival to the species, we learned a sense of belonging. And the sense of belonging kept us in these herds because low-hanging fruit gets eaten. We don't belong we're susceptible to prey. So as a species, we, we still have that in us, right? There's, there's definitely a sense of belonging. You can see that with certain, um, within these sports, there's a sense of belonging. The city, you know, LA, Kansas City, wherever it might be, there's a sense of belonging to that. And then the team is the represent, representation of there's a sense of gangs, you know, a mafia to street gangs, um, any organized crime. 
criminal activity could belong to these gangs. And so we see that, you know, we see that at a very young age. We see that in school. We see groups of people. You know, I was never the cool kid. I wasn't the jock. I was really skinny growing up. So I didn't, I didn't fit in those areas. I, I wasn't like the cool hip hop kid either. Very awkward looking uh, growing up. So I didn't, I didn't belong there. Even though I could hang out with the taggers, sense of tagging kind of kept me cool. That's something I can do. So there's always these little groups, um, even though I did try to blend with some of them and, and some crossed over and we had some friends in other groups as well, but I never had a sense of belonging. So that's a very uh, deep need for us as a species. When we live on autopilot, it's like it's constantly scanning to meet these needs. You know, it really lives in a very early experience of life where we, if you understand the child's needs, where what does the child meet? His or her needs are usually meeting them externally. Scanning our environment, living in this very autopilot way of life. Certain patterns of narcissism, to really understand the narcissism is the child within us. It's a child wound. And there's some some data suggesting really closely related to the mother, so the mother's wound. So there's substantial amount of research and data coming out that it is a fracture primarily within the mother and child's relationship that leads to narcissism. And of course, let's be reminded that the child is the narcissistic self. This is a healthy development within the child. And if that is wounded and scarred uh, in this very early developmental stage, then we grow up and obviously we continue those patterns um, through life and we can seek these validation, this love through external resources. I'm sure all of us can recognize where we have fallen into some, maybe some toxic relationship patterns with people or other things that we bring of a value to us. You know, working with men in particular, we can use women as a validation for ourselves. This for me, and we'll have to talk about this another time, this is the shadow part, right? So this is the shadow part of what's called the hero. There's the, these are archetypes. And we'll start to dig deep into that and look at that as this uh, need to overcome the feminine. Um, and this is deeply related. Again, so it looks as deeply related, can be deeply related to a, uh, a wound at this very fragile age uh, that leads to immaturity. So then we live in this autopilot. Uh, and now how does that relate to Groundhog's Day? Well, when we live in this repetitive pattern, think about it, repetitive pattern over and over again, we're living unconscious, then we're in this Groundhog's Day. And the symbol of that was Bill Murray's character, him being this weatherman going out to see, are we having more winter? Are we having more spring? And he's very egocentric, very narcissistic. He's very all about himself. He's, uh, I am, I'm the head of the universe. I'm the center of the universe. I'm the shit. And you see this portrayed in his character as he's going to this little town to go see this um, groundhog. Obviously, for those that haven't seen the movie, you might want to do earmuffs or change the episode because I'm giving some spoiler alerts. So you, you watch his character, and then he soon realizes that he is having Groundhog's Day, but he's still an asshole, right? He's still mean to the people. He's still a grumpy... Um, he avoids his friend, uh, I guess some colleague down the walking towards him. He pushes him in the puddle. He's doing these very egocentric things. He's trying to 
constantly asleep with Andy McDowell's character because he knows he's going to come back over and over again. So he's trying all these ways to sleep with her very in his own ego. And the ego is the child. So you see him acting childish. And so as the movie goes on, obviously it starts to lead to other other things. So he gets depressed. You can see his energy. He's not even getting dressed. He's going in his pajamas. He's just giving in this hopeless, helpless uh, sense of despair. It's the same thing over and over again. This could be triggering for some. So he does give, um, you watch him and he drives his car off a cliff, suicide. He starts to live in, again, this helpless, hopeless, despair state of being. And what's so very interesting is all that kind of changes. And, and how that changes is he finally gets honest uh, he comes to Owl, uh, uh, sorry, Andy McDowell's character and he says, I'm, I'm a real asshole. And at that moment, that sense of honesty, that sense of um, vulnerability and authenticity is what actually sets him free. And then the whole movie changes from that place on. He, he starts to become part of the community. He's helping the eight old ladies with their uh, flat tire. He's getting a cat out of the tree. He's playing piano and bringing people together to enjoy life. He goes from this Groundhog's Day of of very egocentric, his own needs. And then when he shifts is he gets honest and he starts becoming part of community. And I think that's the idea of what is called a a, um, active participant in, in our daily life is that we start taking this accountability for a life that about having a conscious choice. And when we have this conscious choice and we exhibit that we can make a choice, we're actively becoming a active participant in our own life and understanding we aren't going to be conscious every moment of the day. And that's okay. But the fact is that we can catch, you know, 10% of it. I heard that if you can create 1% change every day, that's 365% of change at the end of the year. Again, you know, whatever we can catch and then have these tools uh, of accountability, uh, vulnerability, responsibility, and that's a big one too. Responsibility is the behavior. So the responsibility component is the actual behavior. We are responding, the ability to respond to the present moment. That is the key component that I think when we're talking about being this active participant is is the ability to, one, is obviously acknowledgement, the ownership, and then the responsibility. What do you want to do with that? right? So now that we have this great awareness, we have to start applying it into a behavior to to respond with it in a way, you know, it can be challenging. Look, it's not going to go from one way to another the next day. It's a practice. We're going to make mistakes and understanding that. And I think that's another place where you can really start to tap into uh, relationships with. So if you're in partnership with somebody, bring attention to this. It's not an emotional dumping and that you're responsible for my emotions, but just the fact that I'm noticing this, a pattern that I have and I am announcing it so that I can have some accountability in my life. So I'm announcing it to my partnership. I am witnessing and I'm very aware that this is happening. And then my responsibility, the, my responding to that is now I'm going to do a behavior. 
uh, to fix that, to make that right. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not going to be perfect every moment, but I am committed to making change for myself and for our partnership. It, it takes time learning to be that active participant. And the reason why we want to learn to be that active participant so we can notice more about life. Autopilot, you're just really in this big stupor. You're just behind the scenes. You're not really paying attention. We miss moments. Being an active participant, we start to engage with life a little bit more. And that gets us out of this idea of what's called Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day on repetitive mode becomes very anxious driven, becomes very depressive at times. And I think that movie with, again, with Bill Murray, it, that's really what you're seeing. You're seeing the evolution of a man who is waking up and he's waking up from an unconscious state of being to a conscious state of being. And what actually happens is there's happiness there. And again, it's not all the time. It's going to be moments that we recognize what happiness is. We, we can't recognize what happiness is if we keep living on this unconscious level of just autopilot. Let me know what you think leave some comments again disagree agree you like it you don't like it i'm open to it all i try to stay open i try to bring some good stuff and some good thought-provoking conversations here with everybody and if you do like it um share it all right everybody that was a packed packed episode of man uncaved we broke down autopilot we took a look at groundhog's day and how to come out of groundhog's day is becoming an active participant in our life this is man uncaved coming out of hiding again this is shame 